0: Welcome to Functional Design and Closure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use Clojure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. We're here to answer your questions about Clojure.
1: And we would love to hear your questions. So what's on your mind? Send us your questions. You can reach us in our Clojurian Slack and ask us questions there you can send us email you can hit us up on twitter but what we want to hear is we want to hear is there something that you're curious about is there something you're feeling stuck is there something it feels like oh it's all the buzz uh you know you see see it on the twitter sphere and and you would like to uh, know more or are you curious uh, you know about some of our experience in closure uh let us know
0: yeah, yeah. Just reach out to us. Uh, the best place, probably re- as of, as of now, is to uh, reach out on the Closure Design podcast channel on Closureian Slack. Um, we just answered a question from someone in that Slack channel just a couple weeks ago, so um, so that's the best place. Please reach out to us.
1: Yes, and so this week's question is: Why do Closureians make such a big deal about? immutability oh yes i feel like whenever we say the word immutability we need to get like a sound effect immutability with an you know echo or something or there should be a drinking game you know take a shot (laughs) well yeah if if you play the immutability drinking game um you might want to skip this week (laughs) (laughs) yes we'll be using the
0: big capital letter i immutability all through this episode
1: Yes. And and so, um, off the top of my head, I would say Clojurians make such a big deal about immutability because they don't have monads to talk about. Oh, the big capital M, M-M M word. <laughs> Actually, you can do monads in Clojure. Don't worry. <laughs> you Don't send us emails about how, wait, yes, you can. In any purely functional language, you can do monads but I just, you know, immutability and monads. It seems like it, it, it's going to be one or the other for a hobby horse conversation, right?
0: Yeah. Just don't get us started on category theory. Oh, that'd, that'd be an endless conversation.
1: Arrows, functors,
0: cool stuff. Okay, okay. so uh,
1: <laughs> the, the the theory and math of programming aside, more seriously, like, it, you can't spend much time around Clojuris without hearing about immutability, immutability, immutability. And... Personally, I was really excited about the concept of immutability when I started using Clojure. And then I ran into the practical realities of immutability and it's very frustrating for me. And so I was in a place where it's like, okay, I really like the idea of immutability and we'll kind of get into that. But the, the practice of dealing with immutability was 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 difficult, right? Because mm. it changed how you manage state and all that. And so I just remember feeling very frustrated. So So like what is like why is immutability worth the frustration, right? <laughs> of not being able to change things in place? Uh, I think there's some really good reasons.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think and just to echo your, your frustration, I felt like when I started using closure, it's like, okay, everything's immutable. And I felt like every time I did like a an associate, or a, a, you know any function that would make a new one, that I felt like, oh, the new one fell on the floor. Like I, I kept, felt felt like it slipped through my fingers. You know, there was no way to hold on to it. So I ended up with functions with you know enormous let blocks. You know, that would just hold on to the next version. You know, as, as a way of coping. So I definitely, I definitely agree with the the frustration um, um, side of it. Um, but, but I think yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
1: It, it takes it takes some it takes some getting used to. You know, it it's kind of like a maybe another way of asking the question that that was running through my mind when I was learning is like, what good is a program if you can't change stuff? <laughs> right? Like, isn't the purpose of programming to like, Change stuff. Right. And if you if you had a program that was like perfectly immutable and there was no way of doing I.O. or mutating anything, well, yeah, it wouldn't be terribly useful now, would it? Like at some <laughs> point in time you have to affect the world. And and affecting something by definition is a mutation. So so when we talk about immutability, what we're really talking about like data structure immutability, right? Like not being able to go and mutate values in a data structure like that is the immutability that gets people pumped up yeah not the not the notion of like
0: not being able to
1: ever do io or something
0: right this this isn't haskell uh <laughs> sorry haskell people <laughs> please don't write
1: us at all you haskell fans send us email uh send me email <laughs> no. at feedback at closure club. <laughs> tell him Remind Nate of why Haskell is the one true language. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, so, so getting to our why would we? Why, like, let's get to the, uh, the the why is it worth it? Um, I think I think the the big, well, at least the first thing that I can think of for me is the word trust. Um, when when I when I get a data structure from someone else, and by someone else, I mean another function or yeah, a parameter or something like that. I can trust it. I, it's, it will never change out from underneath me. That, that, that value, you know, is, is, is never going to change so that I can actually, I can put it in, in, in my own data structure if I'm at a different thread. I, I don't have to worry about, you know, synchronizing or anything like that. The, for me, the big thing is I can, I, can, I can look at data and I can trust it.
1: Yeah, I, I like to think of this as the sending food back to the kitchen dilemma, Okay. So you, you, you order, you order your steak and it comes out and it's like, like bleeding or something, you know, and you're just like, oh, that's not cooked enough. But, but now you face a dilemma. Do I send this steak back to the kitchen and ask them to like finish cooking it or, or not? Because can I trust that they are not going to alter the steak aside from the change that I asked for, <laughs> which was, can you please make this more cooked? Oh, yes. Will, All the nefarious will ways. Will extra <laughs> ingredients such as saliva, uh. for example, <laughs> <laughs> be, be, be added? Like, like I, 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 I t- instructed the function, here, please take this precious bit of data and please only change this one thing about it. But but did it actually do some other things too, right? So it's the sending—it's sending the food back to the kitchen. Problem. What else is going to happen that I don't know about?
0: Oh man, that is a wonderful. So immutability—that can't happen,
1: right? Because you you hand data into the function. That function cannot change that data. It it can't add anything to it aside from the specific thing you requested to do. And then when you get the data back, you can actually compare it against the old value and the new value. Because you still have a reference to a tree of information with, with the old state. And now you have a reference to a tree of information with the new state. And you can know exactly what has changed.
0: Yeah. And I, and I feel like just to that point, Clojure really has a lot of great tools for changing data, for manipulating it. For I mean, by changing, I mean making a new version, of course. But like, it also has good facilities for, for comparing data. And and so it's really, it, not only is it encouraged, but it's actually a really straightforward thing to
1: do yeah and so really like it allows the thread that needs the data to control when the value changes right like like when changes show up and so so it it might need that control because it wants to look at an old state versus a new state or or it needs to complete out a whole operation and ensure nothing gets changed while it's in the middle of it, right? So, so like for example, in in concurrent processing, like let's say we like you and you and I build a lot of pipelines, data pipelines, and so you have different stages in these pipelines, and and so everything is operating on data and producing a new new view of the data, or maybe it's enriching the data, or maybe it's uh, pivoting or filtering and sending it down, right? And so so th- like a stage in a pipeline shouldn't be screwing up a stage later in the pipeline. Like, like if, if stage A is sending things to stage B, you know, in this data pipeline, like the work, the intermediate work that A is doing shouldn't be screwing up what B is trying to get done. Right. And so immutability allows A to hand off the answer to B and then B can control trust, uh, you know, it has a reference to that and it can trust that it's not going to get screwed up by A stage A while it's, while it's doing its processing to hand it down to stage C.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, and I think, I think that one of the, to, to, to kind of piggyback on that, like uh, there are, there are stages in a, in a pipeline where, you know, you have, you get, you get data from a, and then, you know, B gets all the data from a, and it needs to hand something off to C. Well, what if C depends on some of the data that A had? That B, B, like, so now B has to pass things along. You know, like, it needs to, it needs to, um, to, to, to basically make sure that it it bucket brigades that data along. Um, But what it can do is, it can, like, if it gets a map from A and it has new, new, new data that it has created, it can just associate it into that map, and 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 pass it along. So now it's A plus B data and and c can now look at the a data and the b data without having to without b having to do any 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 intermediate processing of the a data you know what i mean does that does that make sense
1: yeah yeah so i think like because of the the openness of closure data right because it's dynamically typed we tend to do things with maps and so you can you can easily enrich a map with new information and and so like b could enrich the data it gets from a Right, so in a pipeline, right, you you like you have some go block. Let's say is your node A. It's sending things in a core async channel to a node B that's listening to that, sending it core async channel to you know C. Yeah, just to kind of mm-hmm. make it concrete, you know, so B can enrich it without screwing up A, and then add the data that C needs, and B can do all the intermediate work it needs to do, without messing up any of its neighbors. You know, so so think- it really allows you to it, it, each stage, each thread, each concurrent unit of processing to really control like when it
0: sees changes and i think and i think that's a big reason why is that that immutable the the data structures are immutable and the 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 way that they're implemented is that they're persistent not as in to the database but that they they remain the same value in memory and so you can have a new value that uses that old value but changes one small bit and and the data is actually shared between between your two your two values. And so the immutability allows structural sharing to exist. And and so you can continually enrich the data, adding new keys, and and there's no, well, there's very little um, cost to that memory-wise.
1: Right. It's, it, the cost is in proportion to the changes as opposed to in proportion to the users. So yeah. if, if you're in another language that doesn't give you immutability and you want to share data with different threads, you either have to do locking right? And then that comes with the whole issues around deadlock, or you have to make defensive copies. And so then everybody who needs a copy has to get their own copy. So now now the data kind of blows up in proportion to the number of concurrent users of the data, right? And then people like, oh, we don't want to waste tons of memory with all these extra defensive copies. So then they go to locks, and then they hit deadlock. And you know, that's the design tension. So persistent. The persistent data structures, which is what is behind the scenes with immutability, um, uses that structural sharing you're talking about, Nate. Yeah. Yeah, to to efficiently only store the changes so that that um, everybody's reference is stable, but then they can they can represent changes very efficiently. And so so it actually it it leads to you to be like oh i'll just hang on i can hang on to a reference to the old state and a reference to the new state it 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 doesn't cost very much memory and now i can i can do like use closure data diff you know to to see the whole like everything that changed in these two maps you know very very cheaply
0: Uh, i absolutely
1: and and so i would say like that idea um of the reference equals the data like that really kind of touches on this idea of value oriented programming. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. if we're going to have enough time to do a deep dive into that, but a lot of times you'll hear people say programming with values or value oriented programming. Um, But the idea is like there is a reference to a tree of data since that tree of data cannot change right? You, you know that that reference, you could say that reference equals that tree of data. And then right. if you have another reference to a tree of data that can't change, you could, you could if you want to know if these things are equal, you could walk through the tree and you could establish your equal. At that point in time, you can know like, oh, these have the same value, right? These references. Right. And so now you can reduce comparison to referential equality, right? And so... Same thing, if, if you hand a reference to a function it gives you a new reference back, you can look at that reference, and if that reference hasn't changed, you can know, oh, the data that was returned from the function is identical to the data that got passed into the function. Absolutely. Whereas with mutation, you can't know that, right? Like, it's it's back to the sending it back to the kitchen problem. All the garnish looks the same. The steak looks the same, everything looks the same, <laughs> but is there something that you can't see on the surface? <laughs> well, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's like in
0: in 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 OO languages or sort of or muta- mutable languages, you know, the, your only sense of recourse is to compare the entire tree exhaustively. But closure has these facilities for you can do a reference check and reference check is essentially like is this point to the same place in memory? Like so it's probably the fastest check you'll ever be able to do. Um, and so you can do a lot quicker comparisons, even of hugely nested data structures, you know j- just by using those a- if it's not reference comparison, it can a- you actually use hash comparison too.
1: Yeah, that yeah, that's a great point. And so there's there's a number of of um, like problems like fundamental problems in computer science that that can be solved. More efficiently using persistent data structures than without it. So, for example, did this value change can be solved in constant time, like one reference comparison, right? Because you can know, okay, it has. If if the references are equal, you can cheaply know that nothing has changed, oh, well, right? Yeah. Which is great. Whereas, whereas in, in something with mutation, you actually have to walk the whole structure to know. Another thing that can be solved very efficiently is, is maintaining a list of all of the state changes over time. So if you go back and listen to the episode we did on tic-tac-toe, you know, since, since you write a function that takes a tree of data and produces a, an immutable tree of data and produces a new immutable tree of data... Since, since that transform from the old version to the new version is space efficient, it's it's only um, in the size of the changes as opposed to the size of the whole data structure. You can now hang on to a reference to every single version of that of that state. So now you can have the entire history of the whole game sitting in memory in a space efficient way. Whereas if you did that with mutation, you have to have defensive copies for each one. So it would it would be much more expensive it would be like uh the the size of it would be too you know (laughs)
0: prohibitive number of copies times the size of the state right and if you shared it with other other threads then it would be not times the number of of um of threads you know i mean it it would just grow exponentially um yeah and i think that um it also enables the the like we talk about time travel you know like I know that there are there have been times where there's like, um, you know, if you store all your all, all your state in an atom in uh, in a closure script app, you can actually keep snapshots of that data, and 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 roll back, and so undo is essentially just a you know go look back at however far you want to go back, and uh, and and swap that state in and you're done, you know, it's it makes it trivial. Yeah.
1: Yeah, once you can efficiently save every version of the state going back to a previous version and starting over, no big deal. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. And, and so really, that it, it really comes back to this goal of side effect-free programming, which people will a lot of times refer to as pure functions or pure yeah. functional programming, you know, purity. But the idea that, like, when I call a function... A hundred percent of what it needs is gonna go in as parameters and a hundred percent of what it does comes back as results. There will never be any any sideband, any side effect, right? Either coming in or going out. And so the idea is if you have if you have these pure function side effect free programming, then the sequence of operations that you apply are now deterministic. Um, But if let's say you read from the clock or you read from a random number generator or you reach out to the network or, you know, threads are interacting, you know, then all of a sudden it's not deterministic anymore because you have this this side channel of effects that that you can take the same stream of events and apply them and come out with a different answer. So so immutability, it helps guarantee and ensure um side effect free programming or pure programming yeah. and then th- that allows gives you determinism
0: right yeah i feel, and I feel I, like i love determinism <laughs> I, well it, it goes back to trust i it, determinism is trustable like if you have a function that's pure you it's not only is it easy to unit test because it's you can everything is determined by the inputs but then in your code when you call that you know oh you know that i can trust that function to not go off and and you know Hit the database or the network, or or look at the time. I think I think the way that I like to look at it in the same in the, this same area is I I feel like immutable data structures push you toward transform oriented programming, like instead of the more imperative like change this value, change this data structure like eight times, you know, in the same place. Um, but it pushes you towards transform because you, you hand something in and it gets transformed to something else. And so the, the the pure functions that you were talking about is kind of encouraged, like you said, and I, like I, I found it by, you know, I, I can do a little bit of si- side effects or a little bit of w- whatever that happens. And then I hand it through a bunch of transforms and you're kind of encouraged <clears throat> kind of by the language, but kind of by the fact that it's the, the data is immutable to make each one of those pure. And because of that then then they're 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 more trustable. that makes sense?
1: Yeah, I would, yeah, yeah, I would say it's the same kind of encouragement um where you teach somebody to swim by pushing them into the swimming pool <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, you know, you're encouraging them to swim, <laughs> and I think that's that's the that's the frustration side of it right Um, Uh, yeah I do know some people who learned how to swim because their family thought the best way to teach you to swim was literally throw you in the pool you know and you oh you're gonna figure it out Uh, but then you kind of come away with this sort of traumatic experience and 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 definitely like immutability if you don't have somebody who's been down this road before who you can talk to get some help Walk down that road, it can be frustrating. And so I think the easiest way to approach it is, like you're saying, think of it as transform oriented programming. Write functions that take immutable values and return new immutable values, right? And then now you're stitching those together, right? It's, 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 you're just transforming data from one version to the next version to the next version to the next version. Yeah. And it's using your, Core closure, right? You
0: know? And it's 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 what closure. It's it's idiomatic to make because essentially what you're doing is you're making new functions that transform data. So you're making new actions, new verbs that you can use to operate on data. Well, closure core is a set of verbs, and it, you can either make data or transform data. Like that's that's like the whole language is like 95% of the language is is just that. And so if you add higher levels of transforms, higher levels of verbs then you're just going along with the grain of the program of the language you're 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 petting the cat correctly instead of petting the cat backward you know like yeah. you can pet the cat backward <laughs> but you're not going to enjoy it and neither does the cat you know it's like <laughs> it's a yeah. it's 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 the whole I- being idiomatic that will help you
1: yeah yeah and and so um in a prior episode we were discussing a little bit about multi-paradigm languages and, and one of the challenges there is you now have more than one way to really represent these state changes over time. Mm, mm, yeah. And and so so mutation and immutability are really different approaches. And so when you start, when you have a language, it gives you both of those options and you have separate people working on code. You try to bring it together. It's like, ah, you know, it, it it's frustrating. So, so in closure it's exciting because everybody's on the same ground ground rules, you know, by by not making mutability an option. It, it, it is a little frustrating when you get started if you haven't been there, but but then it's nice because we're all playing by the same rules. Yeah, we're all swimming in the same pool. Uh, it's not
0: Calvin Ball anymore, yeah, right? Yeah. Again, back to what I said at the beginning, trust. I can trust someone else's code better, which, and trust, it kind of it's. I mean, trust is not like a, it's not like a personal thing. It's not like, uh, it's more about like, if I can trust something, then I can. It can occupy a smaller part of my brain, uh, and so more of my brain can be focusing on I don't know my actual applications problem, which is far more interesting and will probably make me more money.
1: Yeah, it's a bike bike shedding problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: So I guess if you don't have a
1: bike shed to debate the color on, then you just actually have to spend time worrying about solving the problem.
0: <laughs> Closure doesn't give you no breaks. We said it before. <laughs> we'll say it again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's get rid of some of those excuses. <laughs> you can go back to our episode uh, about builds. You know, go argue over the
0: build. I guess. <laughs> yeah, <cool. laughs> yeah. Go go for it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, I think we've talked a lot about immutability. Uh, does anybody out there? Do any of you, dear listeners, have uh, a question? Have an answer to? to why is immutability such a big deal why can't Clojurians just stop talking about it Uh, please let us know yeah what's
1: your immutability story what's what what it gets you pumped up about immutability and and talking (laughs) maybe to some weary listeners (laughs) but we want to know we're not weary not yet yeah yeah no danger of that yet (laughs) so so send us send us your stories send us your questions uh, a great way to do that is to hop in the Closure Design podcast channel on the Closureian Slack. But we also love tweets at Closure Design or feedback at ClosureDesign.club.
0: Yeah, totally. And uh, you can find more questions like this one. Uh, and I, we actually did, you know, a bunch of episodes where we talk about actual code. So uh, those are all on our website at ClosureDesign.club. You can see those episodes and the show notes and they're very, they're very fun.
1: Yeah. And we link to in show notes, we link to the prior episodes that are related. So you can get sucked into a web of content and, um, Definitely love to get your feedback and thoughts on that too. But that is going to be it for us this week. Next week, we will be back with an answer to another question. Thanks for listening.